Welcome listeners. Welcome listeners. You're listening to Deeds in the Desert. The place where real estate investors tune in for the latest news and available investments at Ignite Funding. If you're on the hunt for a low effort, passive income stream, then turn up that volume and pull out the hammock as we get ready to feed you your weekly dose of real estate investing insights. Welcome back for another episode of Deeds in the Desert. My name is Izzy Irizarry. I oversee the marketing department here at Ignite Funding. Today's guest, I have none other than Kate Buda. She's a business development executive here at Ignite Funding. Welcome. Thank you. So, Kate, we're going to go over a hot topic for a lot of new investors that come to Ignite Funding and all the questions that they have and how we do things. As you know, other real estate companies do it their way. We do it our way. But we like to try to slim it down to the simple eight steps, eight steps to trust deed investing. The reason we put this together is because we understand that for our listeners out there, it's it's very hard to decide where you're going to invest your money. It could be a little daunting, a little bit scary, going into a company and giving them thousands of dollars and not knowing what their track record is like. But the biggest question being is, where are they going to get the highest return on their investment with the least amount of risk? So let's jump right into step one. What's the first step that happens in this process? So the investors will reach out to us looking for information about these type of real estate investments. So borrowers come to Ignite Funding Mm -hmm. seeking financing. They are looking to raise uh, the capital for Mm -hmm. their different projects. The borrowers that come to us do so because they might not want to wait for the larger financial institutions to uh, finance their loans. It can take anywhere between, you know, three to six months to get that done. So you're talking about banks. Talking about larger financial institutions. Mm -hmm. If it's a borrower that we've vetted and potentially worked with previously, Mm -hmm. we can evaluate them on a shorter Mm timeframe than that three to six months. We don't need all the boxes checked. The hoops that the bank might make them jump through. Banks, they always harp on credit history. Mm-hmm. What what have they done as far as the last, you know, five years, as far as that goes, whereas we look more at uh, the project itself. The property itself, right. The property is where the value is. We also don't charge prepayment penalties, mm-hmm. which some of the banks do. We fit that lending niche between the 500000 mm-hmm. to uh, $15 million. We are all a lot of times able to raise that capital for the borrowers looking for this financing in a very short time, in about two weeks, mm-hmm. and get them the financing for their, and then they can start their project. All right. So the borrower seeking financing, first step. What what do we do after that? After they submit their application into looking for financing, what do we do next? So we have uh, an underwriting department that actually evaluates not just the borrower, but also the property. Mm -hmm. So the collateral itself, because that is the most important part when you're dealing with trustee investments. What is the equity look like in that particular property? What is the borrower's ability to repay that debt? Mm -hmm. We take a look at that. Also, the stability of the developers and the borrowers that we are working with. Have they executed on a project before, completed it, 
so that we know that they know how to execute. The capital, the borrower is, what are they putting forth into this project? So I hear you guys always say this term, usually when you're talking about specific loans and you guys say, we always make sure the borrower has some skin in the game. Mm -hmm. So that's what that means. We're not lending at 100% loan to value. Mm -hmm. We would never lend at 100% loan to value. The majority of the loans that we do, you will see coming from us, are 75% loan to value or less. Mm -hmm. That way we know that that borrower has their skin in the game, as you referenced. So to really talk about the loan to value really quick, you mentioned 75%. When would we see it go above that? What type of, would it be because the borrower has been with us for so long? Or what reason would you see it be above 75%? That could be one of the reasons, right? It is a borrower. We have one that's a longtime borrower of ours that, you know, has done over $200 million with us. Mm -hmm. If he has a project and it is closer to 80%, we're probably going to lend on that for him because of his uh, stability with us, his ability to pay off the projects. I mean, we've funded 200 million for him and he's paid off 150 million of that. Mm -hmm. So he's in good standing and we do take things like that into consideration. Okay. So would you say we have a a loan to own mentality when we're looking at loans? Absolutely. When we go into a project, we look at it as if this borrower stops paying us and we have to take it back for any reason, right? We're going to look at, are we going to be able to sell it at a good rate and recoup our investors principal investment money. So if we have to own that property, mm-hmm. are we going to be able to come out in good standing in the best interest of our investors? All right. So we've gone through step 1 which is borrower seeks financing. Step 2 evaluating and underwriting. There was something that you said that was uh very interesting is that you said we have an underwriting team. So what you're saying is that we have all of our underwriters in house. We don't outsource any of that. We actually don't outsource anything that we do. From the underwriting, all done in-house, to the servicing, as mm-hmm. again, all done in-house. We handle all of that. And then if a borrower defaults on a loan and we have to take a property back, we would also become the asset manager. And that, again, is handled in-house. We do not sell off any part of our loans once they are complete. I know that's a very important factor for some investors to understand. So I'm I'm glad we clarified that. Let's go on to step number three. So the loan's been approved. Underwriting has released it. We're about to get it ready to list on the website and an investor calls you. So the next step when we release a loan is providing them with all the details for this loan, right? Where is that property located? The description of the property. Obviously, the most important part, the interest rate. That is what the investor is going to yield Mm -hmm. on an annual basis. Um, How long is the loan? What's the duration? Right now, we're writing anywhere between 9 to 24 months in duration. So they'll be aware of that before they sign on. Mm -hmm. What kind of guarantees are there? What is the borrower's history with us? You know, How long have we worked with them? And then the most important part is the exit strategy, because that's how the investors get paid back. How does this borrower we're planned to execute on this loan and pay it back. So you, you did mention something that was interesting. You said nine to 24 months. And what we really talk about is that we are short-term lending as well as short-term investing. So what do you mean by nine to 24? What dictates the nine twenty? Is there a original period with an extension period? How, how does that work? So the way that we write our loans currently is I would tell you it's a nine-month term okay. with a nine-month optional extension to the borrower. So not me as an investor. Not you as the investor. That is to the borrower. The reason that we add that nine-month extension is because we do consider the fact if it's a construction loan 
or land acquisition, delays happen. Mm -hmm. There can be workforce issues. There can be supply chain issues. All of those things, construction delays would cause. Mm -hmm. And then we take that into consideration. So at the end of that nine-month term, that borrower then would reach out to us and let us know that he wants to exercise that extension. We will send him all the documentation needed to do that. And then those investors on that particular loan would receive notification Mm -hmm. that the borrower has reached out to us and has exercised that nine-month extension. And here is the new maturity date of the loan. Gotcha. But when talking to my clients, I will let them know that that loan expected to go for 18 months. We don't charge prepayment penalties Mm -hmm. to our borrowers. So there is the opportunity that if they exercise that nine-month extension, they might only use three months of that extension, maybe six months of that extension. So does that go for the original nine-month term so they can pay it off in three months, four months even in the original term? That is absolutely correct. Um, If they no longer need that money and need that lending, they aren't tied to that. They can absolutely pay it off at any time. Well, two other things before we go on to the next step that I wanted to go over is, so investors, when they call you, are you picking the loan for them or are they having to pick the loan themselves? They actually pick the loan themselves. Okay. I'm here to help guide them, to give them the information about the borrower, the particular property, really figure out what the investor's interests are, right? Are you interested in new home builds? Are you interested in storage facilities, shopping centers, all of the different projects that we offer? Mm -hmm. But the investor themselves are the ones that actually pick the opportunity that they want to invest in. So let's say I am not one of your current investors and I'm a potential investor and I found you guys online or through other some type of marketing, um, possibly this podcast, and I want to invest in Ignite funding. Are there requirements? Do I have to be accredited? I know that's something that's really popular and demanding in this industry. So do I have to be accredited? You do not have to be an accredited investor in okay. order to invest with us. The stipulations or the requirements that are needed is that you have to have a $70,000 household income mm-hmm. for two consecutive years, mm-hmm. or you have to have a $250,000 net worth, and mm-hmm. that excludes your primary residence. Okay. So as long as you meet those requirements, you are a suitable investor. So I don't have to meet both, though? No, either one or the other. Okay, Mm -hmm. gotcha. All right, perfect. Let's go ahead and go into step four. So I then send you the money, or how how does that work? I've picked the loan that I want to go into. Do I just... Now, do I just send you the funds? What happens? So the first thing that happens, once you let us know that you want to make a placement, we will send you out loan documents that you will e-sign, and then you will also receive a special power of attorney form. The Mm -hmm. e-documents, as everything's spelled out about the loan, Mm -hmm. you know, make sure that you read those very carefully before you sign them. It uh, states, you know, the position on the loan, all of those things. Then the special power of attorney form is a separate form that you will need to print out and get notarized. That allows us to transact payments into your account that you designate when you open your account with us. Wait, wait, wait. So you said open account. So do I have to pre-fund that? Do I send you the money before choosing a loan? No funds are required until after these two documents are returned back to us in our office. Then at that point, you will receive the deposit and wire instructions. Then you will go ahead and send us over the funds. At that point, once all three of those things have been received in our office, the loan documents have been e-signed, the special power of attorney form has been notarized, and the funds are here, that's when you will be assigned into that loan and you start earning your, your interest. 
Oh, am I sending the money to Ignite Funding or am I sending the money to the borrower? You're sending the money to Ignite Funding. Okay. And then Ignite Funding actually holds those funds until that loan records and then those funds are sent over to title and okay. the title gets them to the borrower. Uh, what options do I have to be able to send that those funds in? So to send those funds in, you can do either a wire. Okay. So you can wire in those funds. You can also uh, do a deposit. So you could take a personal check into a Bank of America mm -hmm. or a Chase Bank branch. Okay, so you use both of those. Yep, okay. we use both of them. We will supply you with the routing number as well as the bank account number to utilize. And that's the easiest way, either of those, the wire or the deposit into either of those accounts. So what's the next step? We now have four steps of the eight done. I've now sent you the funds. What's step five? So step five is actually once that loan funds, that deed is recorded. Once that deed is recorded, the investor's names are listed in a first position on that deed of trust. What do you mean by that? First position, what is that? What is that first mean? position is the best position to be in. So there- You're not first or last. You know, that's exactly <laughs> right. The first position, if by chance a borrower stops paying us, okay. our investors actually have recourse because Ignite Funding is able to go in on the investor's behalf and file a notice of default and foreclose on the property. Okay. We can then get that property back, list it for sale, and get it sold so that our investors do not lose out on as little interest as possible okay. and get their principal investment monies back. So that's why we've heard in the past, first trustee, second trustee, third trustee, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. That is correct. Okay. If you're, I would tell you, a, it's very similar to like a mortgage on your home. Okay. If you take out, you the first deed is held by your mortgage company. Okay. You go and get a second on your home mm -hmm. and you foreclose on that home. There is no guarantee that if you're in a second position, whoever it is, is going to get any of their funds back. Is there any way that I can look up some of these things that you had mentioned, being able to see my name on the title policy or any of those things? Like, is there a website? Where can I go to verify this stuff? A recorded trust deed is actually public record. Oh, really? So not only once they we record this deed and we have the documentation back, meaning we have an executed promissory note, that recorded deed of trust, the title policy, and an insurance uh, policy on the property, mm -hmm. our investors will receive notification that all those documents have been recorded with their name on them and they will receive them from us. Okay. If at any time you don't get them, you can reach out to us. We can let you know where it is in the process. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can take up to 90 days okay. to get all of these documents back in house and recorded. So step five, we have trust deed is recorded. Let's jump over to step six, which is the monthly interest payments. I've sent you guys the funds. The trust deed's been recorded. Everything's been going good. It's now a month in. Where's my money? So interest payments on your investment are processed from us on the 15th of each month. Okay. So that is when we process them back to whatever account we designated. If it is a checking account, a savings account, if we process them on the 15th, sometimes depending on your financial institution, you might see them on that day. Mm -hmm. You might see them on the 16th. We can uh, do it that way. If it's with an IRA account, then they will be processed directly back to that self that self-directed custodian who holds your IRA and then they will post those funds to your account. Okay. If you have it set up a little differently and you want to check, we can absolutely do that. Okay. But a direct deposit into your account is the the best preferred method. 
to receive your interest payments. So one thing I did want to touch a little bit on it, on the monthly interest is, let's say I get into a loan on the 25th day of the month. Mm-hmm. Do I get interest for the entire month or do I get interest for those five or six days? How do you guys calculate that? So it, you would not receive interest for the full month. Okay. So you would receive what we call a partial payment. Right. So if you're assigned into that loan on the 25th of the month, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. you would receive funds for the last five or six days of that month that would be paid to you on the 15th. Then the following month. Right. So then you would receive a full interest payment for a full 30 days after that. Okay, makes sense. Let's jump to step seven. Borrower pays off the loan. So that means that the borrower has actually paid off that loan or that investment that our investors are sitting on. They will process the payment to us. Some of them can do partial paydowns. So you might see some of those come along the way, or they can pay it off in full how at does, any time. But how does that work with a partial paydown? Once we receive it, mm-hmm. we process it in-house and okay. it might take a day or two, but then we process it out to our investors. Okay. We are not a financial institution, so we are not allowed to hold your funds okay. that have come in-house for any period of time. So once those partial paydowns come in, you will see those hit your account. You will also get an email from us okay. that states that you received a partial paydown and the amount of that paydown. Got it. Yeah, it's really important, especially if I'm an investor who has, let's say, 10 outstanding loans at any given time. Any of those borrowers could be doing multiple paydowns, which would then increase the amount of deposits going in my account. So it's very important that we are consistently looking at those. And it does help, like you mentioned, uh, sending the email out when we do have a payoff. And I'm sure you guys do follow up as well and give them call, give the investors calls when there are payoffs. Yes. Not only do we give them calls, but we'll also reach out to let you know, depending on the size of your pay down, the other investments that are available. So if you got a pay down that was $10,000, right? And you want to reinvest those funds, that way we're able to get you into something quickly. So you're always earning your interest. Got it. So let's go into the last step. The borrower has paid off, as you mentioned, in step seven. What What's step eight? What happens after that? So once a borrower actually pays off a loan, We, at that point, will remove our investors' names Mm -hmm. from that deed of trust and that first position. The borrower will be put back on that deed, and then they can proceed with their project. So the loan's paid off. The borrower now owns the property because they've paid that off. The investors have now been removed from that. Well, now what do I do with my payoff? What am I doing with the funds? Do we restart the whole process all over again? That's exactly what we do is... So we will reach out to you as the investor, let you know the new projects that we have available to get you reinvested in. Our goal is to make sure that you are always earning interest on your funds that are with us. So we will be reaching out to you from a from a payoff perspective as quickly as possible via email and with a follow-up phone call to let you know what's available and to get those funds working again. Great. It sounds like the whole entire process is pretty seamless. It sounds like this is also a great opportunity and benefit for investors that are not just looking for income, but they're really looking for a passive income stream. Mm -hmm. They're not having to do all the fun stuff that Ignite Funding is doing. Literally, I think the hardest part out of all of this was wiring the funds and getting uh, the SPOA, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. notarized. 
I think that's a pretty good deal if you're an investor, if you ask me. So is there anything else that we didn't cover today, Kate, that you did, you definitely want to make sure that listeners do understand about the process or is there anything you want to leave them off with before we sign off? A lot of investors don't know that these type of investments are out there. This is a lot of word of mouth. These are great investments to have in your back pocket to diversify your portfolio from you know the stocks, bonds, mutual funds that you have. Having a real estate portfolio like this is very advantageous for anyone that's doing any type of investing. I couldn't have said it better, so I'm glad you said it. So, so this was a wealth of knowledge. I'm sure you're wanting to make sure that the listeners out there can get a hold of us if they are interested in investing in trustees. So Kate, tell us the best way to get a hold of you. The best way to get a hold of me, you can give me a call at 702-921-5168, or you can also email me at kbutta, B-U-T-T-A, at ignitefunding.com. I would be more than happy to answer any questions you have and set up an investor consultation for you to find out more. Thank you to all the listeners that jumped on today on this episode of Deeds in the Desert. Thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward to speaking with all of you. Thanks for joining us this week on Deeds in the Desert, where short-term investments meet long-term investors. We hope you enjoyed the content so much that you share it with all your friends. Who doesn't like learning about passive fixed income, right? Still hungry for more education? Visit our website at ignitefunding.com. Or if you're ready to take the leap and start investing, give us a call at 702-761-0000 and schedule a free investor consultation. 